Revelation chapter number six, the book of the Revelation, chapter number six. Um, it, it might, uh, um, it's a little gory this morning. It might be a little gory tonight too, but um, we're just preaching the Bible and how it is. And so we're moving through and, and um, um, as this will be our 15th message in the book of the Revelation. And um, we have seen, we've seen even... As we move, we see even more of the wrath of God displayed towards those within the tribulation. And uh, on Wednesday, we discovered the first four seals and the first four horses. Um, But I do need to remind you and go back that we didn't hit one. And uh, I just want to look at just, just, just through simply the facts that we're in here, there is another horseman, right? And we didn't go through him much, and so I'm just going to just zoom over him before we even start this thought here um, of the new one. But I just want to zoom over him where it says in verse number 7 and verse 8, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the fourth uh, the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. It goes from the person sitting on the horse, and now it's a, pers- a personification on the horse. It's somebody who's on the horse, but his name's death. And so he represents the the very um, the very essence of what death is, is what what it's saying there. And uh, um, it's said to be pale in color and and hale, and followed with him, and powers given unto him the, of them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and with um, death, and with the beast of the earth. So a fourth part of the earth is going to die in this, right? A fourth part of the earth is going to die, and the word um, pale comes from that same Greek word, and it represents some greenish, yellowish color, and it make us make a person sick to their stomach is what it kind of gives us a, an idea of yellowish green corpse. Uh, or, or of some sort, and the events that take place of this horse here uh, um, are very, very serious events that's going to take place when it comes to this horse and and, and hell followed behind death. All right, and that's that that that's the picture here. Hell is following behind death, and and as they experience death, they're going to experience hell. Uh, and man, what a sad scene uh, of events that's going to take place and all to burden the hearts uh, of the child of God to see that in this time, if we don't get to these people now and if we don't reach them now, uh, um, that death will be following, hell will be following death uh, for their lives. Uh, and the word hell reminds us that there is that horrible place waiting uh, um, to receive the souls of men who have rejected Jesus Christ uh, as their very personal Savior. Uh, and, and one quarter, one quarter of the earth will have to deal with this devastation and have to deal with this fatality that's going to take place and there is one of every four people that are going to die upon this earth uh, and man what a sad scene what a sad thought uh, and they said in, um, um, they said back there in um, what, what was it uh, 2012 uh, I don't have no notes on this much but in 2012 they said uh, um, that there were 7 billion people upon the earth uh, and if there's one of four dying, that means 1.25 billion would die at that time. If there's one of four dying, there's 1.25 billion. There's 50 million that died in World War II. But in this war, it's going to be much bigger. It's going to be much stronger. And it's going to be devastating to this earth and devastating to this world. And one quarter of the earth will die because of this pale horse and he that sits upon it or the dead 
death, the personification, uh, and the methods that death will use uh, in this uh, um, are listed in this. And there's a, a sword, and there's hunger, and there's uh, um, death, and then there's the beast of the earth. Uh, and so, so there's many different things, and I've read many commentaries on this, and pretty much all of them um, kind of come to the same realm. Uh, um, but there is a sword here, and this refers to war. Uh, war is going to take place at this time. Uh, and it's almost certain that the wars will be uh, um, both uh, um, nuclear. Uh, what about all that? What about all the things that can happen in this world? Well, I have much voice to preach tonight, but I'm telling you the truth is there's going to be some uh, very serious sword, and then there's going to be some very serious hunger in this. We've already talked about that problem, that many millions will die deaths because of starvation. And then it goes on and refers to death and this refers to warfare and famine. Matthew chapter 24 verse 7, Jesus said, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom shall rise against kingdom uh, and there shall be famines and pestilences uh, and earthquakes and, 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 and diverse places. And, and, and so there's going to be those things in this time. Then it goes on and it tells us that there is going to be beasts of the earth that are going to be used. Now this is the very creation of God that's going to be used to kill. Man, I'm telling you something. The Bible does not say specifically who these beasts are. But this is not original. This is not something for me. But I'll just give you a thought that I've read from Brother James Knox and many others. Um, Brother M.R. Dehan and others is, is this, is that um, the most animal that kills more people in this world than anything else is not the alligator, it's not the shark, it's not um, the lion, it's not the tiger, it's not the snake, what is it? It's not the hippo, but it's the smallest animal and it's a rat. It kills more. There's a bubonic plague. We know. We've read about that. We've heard of that. But the rat kills more people in this world today than anything. And um, so, I mean, just think about it. They say one breeding pair can produce five litters of between eight to nine offspring per year. They say that. And so if 95% of the rat population is given an area and, and is destroyed, they can replenish their number in one year. If 95% of the rat population in one area is destroyed completely, they can replenish in one year. I, I, all I know is that there's a very serious thing that's going to take place, okay? not going to get into any more of that. There's a very serious thing in a quarter of the population or a third of the population of Europe during the bubonic plague as the rats rage died. A quarter of, I mean a, a third of Europe. I don't know how many people that is, but they say in a 400 year period, 200 million people have died from rats. In a 400 year period. All I'm saying is that the beasts of the earth are going to be raging. And they're going to be used. 
envy us. Isn't that crazy? They say that rats destroy $1 billion worth of food in the U.S. alone every year. I don't know, but all I know is that there's going to be some beasts. And they're going to destroy this earth. And they're going to kill people in it. What a sad state to be in, right? Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're saved? I'm glad I'm saved too, amen. And so that's that finishing of that last one with a lot left out. But I want you to, uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 9. And um, we just, that's kind of an introduction for you. But verse number 9, the Bible says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, let's read through verse 11, and then we'll read it as we go. When he had opened the first seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, didst thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us, Lord, as, as we've read, read throughout the word. I want to ask him to help us tonight. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. Please help us tonight. We need your help. I can do no thing without you, Lord. And I pray, God, you help your people, Lord, and help us, God, to be ready for this day, Lord, as we won't be here, God. But thank the Lord. I'm thankful I'm saved tonight, Lord. And I'm thankful for the salvation that Jesus, um, Lord, is, that you brought, Lord, through sending your son, Jesus Christ. I pray you'd help us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I preached on the four horses and the four seals, right? Well, as I have went over this time and time again, many believe that this jumps to the latter part of the three and a half years. I do not believe it does at all. I do not believe it jumps to the latter part because there's more devastation and more destruction. I don't believe that this jumps to the latter part of that tribulation. However, I cannot say that to be so, but I, I would like I would like to say 100% fact that they, it does continue on here. And I believe that what we have just read in verse 9 through verse 11, the reason I don't believe it goes on is I believe that from the first four plagues, these martyrs came out of those first four plagues. These are not people who were saved before the rapture took place and then the tribulation took place and then they're martyrs in the tribulation because they were saved going through the tribulation. Everybody with me so far? All right, what I'm trying to say here is these people got born again during the tribulation. And they're coming out. Okay? Everybody with me? They've been killed in the tribulation. So hang tight just a minute. I'm going to preach on this thought um, as the next two seals are open. Um, verse, I mean, seal 5 and seal 6 are open in these verses that we're going to read tonight. And I'm going to preach on prayers during punishment. Prayers during punishment. We've read here of the martyred saints under the altar. The martyred saints which are under the altar. Here in these verses we're very clear and we're looking back into heaven and we're seeing a different view. We're not seeing horses anymore but we're seeing back in heaven and there are souls which are under the altar. They're under an altar and the souls under the altar are bearing witness to the sacrifice uh, that they've made for Christ. Uh, Exodus chapter number 29 and verse 12 tells us and thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock uh, and put it upon the horns of the altar 
with thy finger and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. Uh, I need you to pay attention. Listen here. Uh, they paid a severe price. Uh, I'm not talking in specifics, but they paid a severe price uh, um, for the sacrifice while they were first during the first four seals they paid a severe sacrifice from those first four seals we seen the seal of famine we seen the seal and I can't remember all but fatality and we seen the seal of those who have dealt with all the just the simple conquering of those of those horsemen and all the things that have taken place in this and all the many deaths that take place and so these people these martyrs which were under the altar of God here they paid a severe price for their sacrifice. Severe price. Notice in verse 9, And when he had opened the first seal, fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So they had a personal sacrifice. They had a personal sacrifice. They were literally slain for their faith in Christ. The word uh, slain means butcher. It means slaughter. And, uh, and they were saved after the rapture of the church. That's all we can conclude with because if they were saved before, they would have come out with us, right? So, 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 so they were saved after the rapture of the church and have given their lives for their faith and they have personally chosen not to follow the antics and the ways of the devil and rather chose to follow Christ. Hey, I'm glad we live in a day where we can choose to be a Christian, aren't you? Those days, and we don't have to deal with the persecution that they have to deal with. Sure, we might have to deal with some persecution. The Bible tells us that we will. But I'm telling you something, it was all all the word of God that's what they're being judged for is this book is they held the word of God strong and true and for the testimony that's the same reason that John was cast on to Patmos I think it's verse 9 of chapter 1 of the book of Revelation that John was on Patmos and he was on Patmos for the testimony of the of the Lord and he was for the testimony for the word of God in his life and Jesus had perfectly outlined this when he preached in Matthew Matthew chapter 24 uh, and verse 4 through verse number 9. He tells us very clearly. I'm going to read those verses for you. Uh, Matthew chapter number 24. uh, Just to get an overall view of it. In verse number 4 the Bible says. uh, um, Let me see just quickly. The verse uh, said and Jesus said unto them. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name. uh, Saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. uh, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. uh, See that ye be not troubled. But for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. They're going to be hated of all nations and so simple. Those who let go of their testimony hold on to their lives. And those who hold on to their testimony have to let go of their lives. 
They lose their lives. And friend, I'm telling you, Christians have been martyred for many years and they were beheaded and crucified and burned at the stake and sold in animal skins while wild animals came to eat them. And they were impaled on stakes and dipped in wax and boiled and set on fire to light Nero's dinner parties. But it took a personal sacrifice for these during the first four seals. As the first four Four seals came about, uh, and they're now in heaven, is where they are. Uh, they're in heaven, they're under the altar of God. Uh, and in the Old Testament, when a lamb was slain, you say, Why would they be under the altar? Uh, because in the Old Testament, when a lamb was slain uh, on the altar, the blood and the ashes uh, uh, under the altar would stand as a testimony uh, um, to the very sacrifice that took place on that altar. Uh, and as they were all thought, they were on the altar of the heat uh, uh, of this wicked world uh, and as God they were big, God was judging this world uh, um, these saints were slain uh, for their testimony for the Lord uh, and they were slain and they're under the very altar of God uh, we can read in Hebrews in chapter 8 I think it is uh, and round verse number 5 uh, the Bible tells us uh, um, that Moses when he built the altar uh, and the tabernacle and all those things everything he built was a perfect picture what was already in heaven uh, he done what he built was already in heaven. It was an example uh, of what was coming about. Uh, and so there's an altar up there in heaven. Uh, and these saints of God, these dear martyrs, uh, are under that altar. Uh, and they're as a testimony of their sacrifice uh, um, for all the world to see. Uh, and so here are these tribulation saints. They're under the altar uh, as a testimony for the personal sacrifice uh, um, that they had for Christ. Uh, and thank God we won't be there. Amen. Uh, Um, But how is our testimony of sacrifice for Christ? Amen. I guess that raises the age-old question if they got saved during the tribulation. Can all people be saved during the tribulation? If there have been saved during the tribulation, does that mean all can? Let me give you a simple question. Answer it's two letters. No. No. Second Thessalonians. If we're going to state something, we must prove that, right? Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. Verse number 8. The Bible says, Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of, of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they may be saved. So these people have heard the love of the truth, the gospel. Right? They've heard it, but they've not been saved because of it. They, what did they do? The Bible says that they received it not, meaning they rejected it. If you don't receive something, it don't matter if you say, I don't receive it, or if you don't say anything at all, you've made your decision. And so there's a rejection there. And then, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They've heard the gospel and they have been sent over to strong delusion. They're going to believe a lie. You know what strong delusion is? You delude your coffee down with something. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be strong. It's going to be watered down. And they've been sent over a strong delusion that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
They're going to live that lie, and they're going to live that life as they've already heard the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ, and they've simply rejected it. So the ones who, who can be saved, and we must be careful, I tell you now, who can be saved? Those who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ can be saved, and Jesus will save them. Hallelujah. Amen. He'll do his job. Don't worry about it, right? Amen. He'll do his job. But there is a personal sacrifice that took place here. And secondly, there's a passionate sob that took place here. The martyrs in verse number 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, doest thou not, not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? These martyred saints are seen crying with a loud voice unto the Lord. They aren't praying for mercy for those who've wronged them. And that's what Jesus said we ought to do, by the way. In Matthew chapter 5, he says to pray for them that has wronged you. They hated him first. They'd done all those things. But that's not what they're doing here. They're praying for judgment for on them for shedding the innocent blood of those who done no thing. And in that day we live. Friend, in the day that we live, we are very much in a state of grace. And that's what we are in. And we ought to cry as Jesus cried. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We ought to cry those things. But right now, that's when we're in a state of grace. But I tell you, when this day comes, God will not be showing any grace. God will not be showing any forgiveness or any mercy. He will be showing judgment and judgment alone. And so these martyred ones under the altar are pleading for God to send judgment to those who, while honoring His name still, holy and true, man, I'm glad I'm saved, don't you? He's saying, why don't you go out there and uh, avenge our blood. Get back at them. That's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus we know because we've been in a state of grace. We've seen God been forgiveness and forgiveness and love over and merciful and gracious time and time and time again. But that's not going to be the Lord we see here. He's going to be coming back. And avenging the blood of those. There's a passionate sob. Then we see a peaceful season. Notice in verse number 11 where the Bible says, And white robes were given unto them, every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. These tribulation martyrs are given white robes. They're, giving, they're clothed in purity and righteousness of Christ. And they're told to rest yet for a little season. Stand at the testimony. And there are going to be others who will die for their faith. There's going to be a slaughter, friend. There are going to be those who would die for the faith and the Lord isn't finished with his work. He's not. And I'm telling you, they're going to be patient and they're going to rest while things worsen, worsen and go on. And one day they'll walk through. But they will not walk through with the, with the church. They'll walk through as martyrs. And I'm telling you, there have been those who have shed blood over the years, over all of this world, who wouldn't deny Jesus. And in doing that, they were slain. But I tell you, vengeance is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord's. And Jesus is fixing to come with a rod of iron. He's not going to come with anything else, but he's going to come with a rod of iron. He's going to avenge the blood in his name. Hallelujah. And friend, I tell you, I don't understand why it happens this way, but God will soon judge, and we better be right. We better be right. So we see the martyred saints under the altar. Secondly, I want you to notice the miserable sinners on the earth. And we'll be done. This is our last point. Verse 12, and we'll read it as we go. The prayers change here, okay? 
The prayers begin to change here. Now we see those who are crying for their lives on earth. Not those who are crying in heaven, but these are crying for their lives on earth. Their lives are filled with horror as the Almighty God pours out His wrath upon this world. I'm telling you, friend, I want to look at the horrors revealed here. What we see in verse 12 and verse through verse 14, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. There's a mortifying time for the places on earth. Mortifying time. The earth is seen enduring a great earthquake. And this is the first of the third earthquakes that we'll find out to be in the book of the Revelation. And we must take this Bible as literal. Amen? Amen. The Bible speaks of such things. It does speak of earthquakes. Exodus chapter number 19, verse number 18. God gave the law and God gave an earthquake. 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number 11, Elijah experienced an earthquake. Um, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 through 52, Jesus died on the cross and there was a great earthquake uh, and the rocks rent uh, and the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, right? And guess what else happened? The graves busted open. Uh, things happened and then, and I'm telling you, the cemeteries busted open. And it's a literal thing. And so across our world, many have died from earthquakes. But I tell you, I could go through some, but I will not. But I'll tell you this, uh, any earthquake you may search, uh, no matter how many it killed in the history of this world, uh, will not be of any comparison to the horrific earthquake that's going to take place in this time. God's wrath will be seen. And that's not all, though. There's more. It goes on to tell us that the sun will become black. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. This won't be the first time either. Exodus chapter 10 verse 22. uh, Egypt is in the midst of their their plagues from God. And and there is said to be um, a uh, darkness. The earth, the sun became dark. We can look at Luke chapter 23 and find that as Jesus was hanging on the cross of Calvary. The sun became dark. It became darkness up over all the face of the earth. And I'm telling you something. You know why it happened? It happened when judgment took place. It happened when God had our sins upon him. And uh, when God was judging his very darling son for our sins, that's when the earth became dark. But in this fact, God's going to be doing it in a different realm. But he's going to be doing judgment to the sinners. There won't be a judgment. There, there's a sun... You understanding that? There's a sun that was judged and the sun was turned off this year. Okay? In this one, there's going to be sinners that are judged and the sun will be turned off. Now, I don't know if you can imagine, but man, it'd be a dark day. It'd be a dark day when the earth comes about uh, and the earth is, and these are literal events. Uh, The Bible warns us of these things and the Word of God warns us of this day. Isaiah's 
uh, Isaiah's um, uh, the the major prophet tells us of the uh, uh, in chapter thirteen and verse number nine uh, of his book. He says, "Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the earth desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth." Joel chapter number two verse thirty one. The Bible says the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. These won't be all though because verse number 13 tells us and the stars of heaven fell into the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. The earth will be hit with meteor showers. It will be hit as stars fall to the earth, and and with as stars fall, I can't just explain those things. Stars will be falling in chapter twelve of the book of the Revelation, and those stars in chapter twelve of the book of the Revelation is angels. Uh, but this isn't angels; they're stars falling to the earth. Uh, and I read in history uh, uh, there was a there was a, a meteor that fell, a big 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 meteor that fell in Windsor, Arizona, some years ago, and and that meteor fell and and it hit the earth, and it was estimated to have been ninety foot and a hundred foot, 150 foot it left a crater 90 by 150 foot and it left a crater in the earth some 4,000 feet across 2.5 miles in circumference and a 550 foot deep one fell I'm telling you something. Imagine the impact as God unleashes the very stars of heaven that He created upon this earth. It's going to be a tragic time. But that's not all. That's not all. Verse number 14 says, And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of its place. It doesn't say some. It says every. And friend, as the heavens rolled back, there would be a great geological shifting upon this earth. And mountains and islands will literally be moved out of their very places. All I can say is I'm glad I'm saved. Amen, Amen friend. There is a absolutely a mortifying time for the places on earth than when there's a misfortunate time for the people on earth. In verse 15 through 17, we'll find it there. But here we see all men, great and small, facing God's wrath. From the highs to the lows, power won't help you, prominence won't help you, prestigious won't help you. All will stand equal before God. All their worldly accomplishments will not prevent the hand of God from sending judgment upon them. So I want you to notice their positional placement in verse 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. They hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of all the mountains. Mankind is found seeking some type of shelter from the Almighty God. When if they would have just turned to Him, they could have been in the shelter of His wings. And friend, I'm telling you something. For thousands and thousands of years, they have stood in the defiant, in the face of the very God who loves them. And they've 
refused His tender mercies. Uh, and they refused His good grace. Uh, and they consumed their life with the sinful lust uh, of this world. And they've worshipped the create creature more than they've worshipped the Creator. Uh, and friend, I'm telling you something this morning, uh, this evening, uh, in that terrible day, uh, um, there's no longer standing in open defiance against God. Uh, um, but rather they're desperately trying to hide from Him. Uh, and the realization uh, that He is God uh, is seeking in their lives. Uh, and think of all the times as they're running through the cliffs uh, and they're thinking, man, I should have listened to that preacher. Uh, man, I should have listened to that street preacher. Uh, man, I should have listened to that missionary or whatever it is. Uh, but it's too late now. Uh, and all they can do uh, is hide in fear. They go in the hide themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. And then there is a prayerful plea and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Friend, they cry out for the mountains. They're not crying out to God. They're crying to the rocks and the mountains. They're pleading with them to cover them from the very face of God. And they literally want to die to escape the wrath of the Lamb of God. But they won't be able to die in that time. One thing is, they'll never be able to hide from God. They'll never be able to get away from Him. And they've chosen to reject His mercy uh, and they've chosen to reject his grace uh, and now they're receiving his wrath uh, and they aren't pleading with God uh, um, they're pleading with rocks uh, um, they wouldn't accept the sacrificial lamb uh, and now are left to face uh, um, the wrath of the lamb uh, and friend I'm telling you the time of mercy has ended here uh, it has ended for these folks uh, and their pleas for protection uh, and deliverance go unheard uh, and they are left to stand before the the Lamb as He pours out His wrath on the very sin of the world. Friend, I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm saved. Verse 17 and I'm done. There is a painful picture. For the great day of His wrath has come. Who shall be able to withstand? At this point, mankind realizes that the end is there. They sought to break our hearts. All of the preachings and all of the warning and they've heard were true. Everything they've heard was true. And maybe they could plead with those wicked preachers that didn't tell them and say, Why didn't they tell me about this? Why didn't they tell me the time has come to face God for their sins by themselves without an advocate, without a mediator, without a loving God, without Jesus, without His blood, without His mercy and forgiveness. They have to stand before God and the reality of the judgment has gripped their heart as they stand before Him and they plea and they say the great day of His wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? They were praying. They weren't praying unto God. They're calling upon the natural world to save them from the spiritual world and man has always worshipped the creation more than they've worshipped the Creator. But here the gods of this world will have no power 
um, to save them uh, and no power to deliver them from the almighty hand of God. Uh, and they are fully aware uh, of what is there, uh, um, but they are helpless uh, to do anything about it. Uh, and it's far too late to cry for mercy. Uh, it's far too late to cry for peace uh, because wrath is upon them. Uh, and they said, who is able to stand? Uh, who is able to stand? Uh, and let me just give you a short answer. Uh, no one is able to stand. No one is able. Man, I plead with you this evening. If you're on the internet, you're lost to get born again. If you're here, there's two different prayers during punishment. And one is the miserable sinners. And one are the martyred saints. There's an answered prayer and there's one that is not answered. There's one answered prayer and then there's one that's not going to ever be answered. They can cry to the creation, but the creator won't let it happen. Friend, I'm thankful I'm right. Amen. What a horrible day is coming as people face the judgment and the wrath of God. His prayers during the punishment. And it's not something I want to be a part of. And I'm thankful God saved me. Amen. I'm done. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We ask you, dear God, as we go through the few remainder things of the service that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for the preaching. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, this quick and true, help us, God, in the name of Jesus to please, Lord, beg and call out to our family and call out to our friends and call out to the even our enemies, Lord, that don't want to have anything to do with us, Lord, to be saved and plead with them, Lord, in this day and this hour, Lord. Lord, help us be a better witness. Lord, the day is coming. We know that, Lord, the day is coming. Lord, help us grow a greater burden for the lost in this day, Lord, and we'd grab a hold of something and simply tell of the love that you have and the grace that you show and the forgiveness that you'll give, Lord, and the mercy, Lord, that you display upon our lives today. Lord, we know that day will not always be here, but I pray, God, Lord, as your word says in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says the Spirit of God will not always strive with man, Lord, and I pray, God, that once the comforter is taken out, Lord, there'll be others saved, but Lord, we know you know. We ask you, dear God, to just please help us to be a witness while we're here, be a strong witness, Lord, in this day. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.